Sure enough, Hi. when I checked, it wasn't just air. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> it does suck. It does suck. But you know what else sucks? What? Decon sucks. Yes. And you know how you don't, you can get it to suck a little less is if you use first line technologies, hybrid decon. They are revolutionaries in the decon process with their bar method, which is blot, apply, and remove using wet and dry decon. And it is substantially phenomenal to use for us lazy people because there's no more rigging, no more hoses, and you don't need a huge area to store massive amounts of equipment. All this stuff can be compacted down and thrown right into the back of the chief's truck. Yeah. So do yourself, do your team a favor. Do your own recon at makedeconsuckless.com or visit them at firstlinetech.com because Firstline Technology is making decon suck less. Hi. Hey. Episode 4108, and maybe a couple more, tips for operating in inclement weather. Hi, Mike. Hey, Bob. How's it going? Doing great. I, I, Just got off a plane, coming back from Continuing Challenge, hanging out with all my How West was Coast Continuing people. Challenge? I was unsure of what it was going to be like, and I was pleasantly surprised uh, at, the, uh, at the whole conference. It was really cool. What did you end up doing with the poker chips? Um, did anybody I, I, did anybody bring a poker chip to the table? Actually, one guy actually flashed it to me, and it was uh, Doug Mayer from Blackline. He's like, "What do I ah. need this for?" <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we didn't have anything to really do, but a lot of lot of activities, a lot of things going on there, a lot of good connections made. Um, tremendous, um, great place. The 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 restaurant stunk, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's California. It was just like yeah, they weren't they weren't ready for that many people. So, um, but anyway, other than that, it was really good. We had a lot of time. We did a great uh, battery class there. Um, the class held ninety people, and I think there was one hundred and ten, and they stood for two hours. Really? Yeah. I was like, ooh, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that either. <laughs> I was like, batteries. <laughs> I'd sit on the floor. I'll take a nap. I'm not gonna yeah, stand. So. But a Very lot, you cool. know, we. We mentioned it every uh, every week. We're going to more and more conferences. They keep coming in now. I, I have to fill out more forms to go to like three other conferences. Yeah, so. Wammer came in earlier this week. Yeah, so yep. Keep uh, keep an eye out. We're going to put that in the newsletter. And also, I saw in the newsletter the, the most recent newsletter. It seems that people are. Um, I'm not going to say unsubscribing. That's not the right word. Uh, we wanted to your opinion on like wh how frequently do you want the newsletter. We yes. figured it was weekly, but I don't know if that's what you guys want. Yeah, because and also if there's uh, any information that you think should be in a newsletter that's oh, being put out for Hazmat that you don't see. You know, we're just going off of what we think of. If you come up with a great idea, we'll start incorporating it to the newsletter, uh, whether it be training tips, equipment of the, the, the month, if we end up doing a monthly thing, like whatever. Just let us know, and, and we're more than happy to include it into, uh, into the newsletter and make it part of our newsletter family. Yeah, so, uh, and then the happy hour is going to be coming up, uh, let's see, actually, when is it this month? It is going to be the f 
fourth Thursday, which is one, two, three, four, September 28th, 2023, 1900 hours. You can find it on com slash happy. It's always there. So come I on was held up. hang out. I was held up on assignment for the last, uh, not the last happy hour, but the last Hazmat Guys roundtable. What was discussed? Oh, um, it was about touching your knee to the ground. Okay. And where does it say that you are allowed to do it? And well, that was easy. Oh, okay. Right in the book. You know, that was that was pretty easy. And then we talked a little bit about the uh, the Battery Destroyers Club that we did up in Massachusetts. Um, more to come on that one. Uh, we shot a whole Mythbusters-style um, TV show, I'll say, destroying yep. batteries because we're putting a rubber to the road. People say, oh, I do this. Well, let's try it. Let's and give it a shot. Everything. It was great. As much, as much as we possibly could. There's still more that I wanted to do. But, uh, you know, you can only do so much in an eight-hour shoot. Uh, without yes. people just starting to get fed up and be like, come on, really? I know. Really <laughs> so, <laughs> excellent, excellent, excellent. So let's get into it. What we got here? We got inclement well, weather. Inclement weather. So the conversation has started to be, you know, with, with winter coming up. Uh, and for those of you that don't know, there is an El Nino in effect. So the Northeast is expected to get pummeled with snow this year. So we, were, we have been trying to have some conversations about how to start to prepare for that. And it kind of led into other conversations, started letting into conversations of, OK, well, what about heavy rain? Well, what about a hurricane? What about a tornado? Right, Because the northeast is or the east coast is entering hurricane season. So we were like, you know what, let's just kind of put together a, an umbrella of inclement weather thoughts on it, how things can change because of the inclement weather the different types of weather that are, that are out there. And then at the end, we'll we'll cover eight tips. And if you stick around for the premium, we'll give you two more tips for free. Love it. Not really for free. You paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right, so let's do this. All right, so the challenges of responding to inclement weather. Uh, how do we start to wrap our head around that? Like so many other things that we deal with, it is not something that we can just wake up one day, respond to work, knowing a hurricane's about to hit us in two hours, a snowstorm is about to hit us in two hours, and just kind of wing it. And believe me, from a guy who wings his entire life, I'm telling you, you cannot just wing this. So we have to first kind of sit down and identify the weather-related hazards. And while this may sound like no big deal, um, you can't change the weather, so why are you going to try to identify it? Well, it has less to do with looking out the window and going, hey, it's raining, or hey, it's snowing, or hey, it's 90,000 degrees. And more in a day like today where it's beautiful September day and we turn around and go, hey, Bob, what are we going to do when there's three feet of snow on the ground in three or four months? So it's that preparation and pre-planning when we really want to sit and identify weather-related hazards and make it a specifically about an operation. This is the time of year that you turn around and you say, okay, that's great. We just did this offload drill. How do things change when it's four degrees out? How do things change when there's nine inches of rain an hour coming down? That's how we want to identify the hazards. I like that because there's not there is subtlety and there is like smashing in the face kind of changes when when weather changes. Yeah, right. Like you know, uh, 
and again, we're going to probably get into this in a little bit, but it's like, you know, a puddle of gasoline is not a big deal on a, on a sunny day, but it's a huge deal when it's a monsoon, you know? Yes. So, you know, so, and we use this all the time, like things like chemical and physical properties change. Uh, we talk about this with like uh, diesel and gasoline. You know, diesel is not a big deal in the fall or the spring because the vapor pressure isn't there. The flammable range isn't there. But if it's August, it is there. And so, you know, when you have a warmer or a hotter, well, just in temperature, um, you will modify the vapor pressures like tremendously. Yeah, they can swing from being no big deal to being a huge flash issue. Right. You know, and the heat waves that we've been getting recently is here in the Northeast. They, they can be pretty substantial. I know places like Arizona, which is pretty much the sun's asshole the, the, the past <laughs> summer. You know, I don't even know if you got to worry about diesel on the ground for much longer because it evap- everything's evaporating so quickly at 120 freaking degrees. But that is still, that is inclement weather, right? We don't think about heat as inclement, but for our purposes, it is inclement weather. And the heat... The cold, they have a huge uh, change in the reactivity of chemicals. Most chemicals, most chemical reactions are going to be driven one way or the other by temperature. 90% of, what would you say, like 95% of them, Bob, are going to yeah. be driven forward when the temperature increases. Um, you have a few endothermics out there that, that will do better in the cold, but for the most part, our reactivity goes through the roof with higher ones. And this was shown... Uh, so well in in a year that we did oxidizers for the New York City Fire Department uh, for the 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 refresher program and the refresher program in the New York City Fire Department it lasts all year right they the the one year refresher program literally 28 29 30 deliveries throughout the year so we're performing these reactions in January and then we're performing them in August and there is a clear difference when you do an oxidizer reaction where you're taking a fuel and you're taking an oxidizer, you mix them together. The time difference is so substantial that in the cold, we actually had to bring hot plates out and perform the reaction in hot plates because you couldn't wait 30 minutes to an hour for the reaction to take place. So right. reactivity, whether it's oxidizers, any reactivity, you want to be able to sit and understand. You may not be able to do the research. You may not be able to say this is going to do this at this moment, but you just need to have an understanding that if you're in super, super heat, your reaction is most likely going to drive forward very quickly. And the opposite, right? You have a little bit more time in those freezing, cold, frigid, near zero, below zero degree temperatures. Yeah, or even like um, volume. And you can even throw that at a density because um, if I put something... um, in when it's 60 degrees and it heats up to 120 degrees this is like propane like that's why there's the 80 percent outage kind of thing because as propane expands it'll overfill the vessel and, and do it so like if you're filling a tank or a drum in a cold location and bring it to a warmer location pressures and volumes therefore go up without with the exception of water it's the weirdo when it gets cold it actually gets bigger right yes it's it does weirdo. Whatever, yeah, I I said that with a like a kid's upspeak, like a question. <laughs> yeah, and then and I was like, I, that was a statement. There's no that reason was a for statement. Me to answer That's, that. Yeah, I, I don't like. I hate that upspeak thing. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. So filling a tank, and, and on the other side, you can even do like I can I can fill it hot, and let it cool, and then you have a negative pressure on things, and you might even have implosions. 
Right. That becomes a huge issue when you have offloaded a tank in the heat and then it drops in temperature because now you have a vapor space and that vapor space wants to condense and you have that vacuum uh, effect. Not so yeah. much when that, that vessel is filled with liquid, but especially so when it is just filled with vapor. Another weird thing that could lead to some changes in your operation just based upon chemical physical properties is solubility. Right? We have differences in, in solubility when you have differences in temperature and it's reversed for gases versus liquids. So if I were to have a gas as it, uh, I'm sorry, I have a liquid, I'm sorry, gases and solids. I have the liquid, that's the solvent. As it starts to heat up in temperature, it's able to be more soluble for solids and less soluble for gases. Yep. And then as the temperature starts to drop, we get better solubility in gases and worse solubility uh, in, uh, in our solids, which actually could impact our decon because don't forget, some of our decon is solubility-based where we're looking for soaps and surfactants to perform a certain task. So weather plays a huge role. Yeah, I love that. And even, even meters, like, you know, your meter has an electrochemical or even the uh well actually i can't i'm really having a hard time thinking of a meter that uh, would not be affected by temperature in some way because electrochemical sensors they get a little they get a little thick and uh and the reaction slows down in the cell exactly so it, it now this all modifies how we uh we establish our protective actions you know how they uh, you know how we protect ourselves even from the elements like like the temperature is great i'm not gonna say it's great that's that's probably the wrong word but extremes on either side because once you start getting into ppe all bets are off i've been in oh, i've been yeah. freezing in and level a's yeah level a man you i had when my little go bag i had a pair of thermals in there really that's a to yeah no that's a total lie i totally made that up i would never be that organized ahead of time to throw thermals in a bag in the winter time but i have wished that i've had thermals in a bag at winter time <laughs> i had a hammock <laughs> yes you really, did have i a, carried a hammock absolutely like, had a hammock that you strung up in the rig i can verify that <laughs> one hundred thousand percent. but it's a damn good idea to be able to turn around and have the equipment that you need with you in the rig that wouldn't normally be in. And that's true for any kind of inclement weather. It's not just like the heat or the cold, right? You have right. icing conditions. We would carry those those um, those bands, but we did it ourselves. Like I would buy the little things that go on the bottom of your boots to be able to, to you know. Oh, the traction things. The traction things, right. So like all of those thought processes, all of those ideas – these are the things ahead of time that you need to plan for and and have in your bag. I right? I actually did have uh, a set of lightweight like running gloves in my lightweight bag. Weight running gloves. Ah, because well, in my in my personal opinion, if I was going down range and it was cold and my fingers were super cold and I couldn't do the the light dexterity things, so I put on additionally a set of gloves just to make my hands warm and i know it sounds kind of weird but like seriously if your hands are cold they don't work as good as they did so your dexterity kind of goes so that could be a big deal yeah and for sure none of our actual chemical ppe gloves will keep your fingers cold uh will keep your fingers warm in the cold 
So that's right. that's a that's a that's a good heads up move. Or even like heat, heat would be a problem too because you're gonna have, uh, you know, you, you once you start feeling like oh my god, I'm up to my knees and 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 sweat. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> where you're sloshing your own sweat in your feet in your shoes. Oh. That, that is the absolute worst. When you overheat in your PPE, that that adds a whole nother level of complexity to the logistics of an operation, right? So not even just as like a firefighter operating, but from the point of view of like a chief, I need to keep those guys hydrated. I need to do things to keep them cool. I may have to bring in vehicles that are air conditioning so that afterwards they can sit and they can recover. Uh, maybe specialized equipment like cool vests, um, especially if you're in an area that that constantly sees these massive, you know, 120, 130 degree temperatures, uh, you have got to be planned for it. Other yeah. things like heavy rain uh, could make a difference, right? We've been talking about hot and cold, but inclement weather also brings in like heavy, heavy rain. And And consider this, right? You may think, oh, I just operate in the rain and not much changes, but there are differences. Heavy rain for PPE, you might actually change your PPE completely based on the fact that it's raining out. And now anything that is soluble that is going to get in the rain is now going to get on that suit and it's going to get into your suit if it's not watertight or vapor tight. All considerations to take. Actually, really interesting you said that. I, I never really thought about that. No, I'm just thinking like, you know, like a dust could be solubilized in the rain and then it would change the dynamics of what you're doing. Sure. Or a spray, uh, you know, anything that could get on you huh. that you would have, you know, the, the, we would go through the, the, the dry decon. Well, anything that's in the rain that we would have gone through dry decon and is now essentially doing a wet decon. And we've shown how many times over and over again that PPE and a wet decon is not the greatest thing, you know, f as far as like the car wash method. Well, now you're doing a car wash method. It's it's essentially God's car wash, right? So you got to kind of you got to kind of think like, is this really going to protect me the way it normally would if it wasn't raining? Well, you know how you know that? Some By training. training. <laughs> By all means, all means. And speaking of training, how about you guys turn around and you unlock your team's potential by having us come in and do the training? Yeah, I, you know what? We bring in the trainers that deliver results. Experience team, reach your potential. We turn around, we tailor all of the training programs to what your departments and your members actually need. I love it. And we bring in the cutting edge techniques and tools and so you can stay up to date. Yeah, for example, we're doing two huge drills in September and we're bringing some cutting edge simulation technology with us. Just as a, I love it. Yeah. And we're, God damn it, we're engaging and we're funny and we're <laughs> hands on. I, I, I'm not afraid to say it. I am a funny motherfucker. <laughs> well, don't let your potential go untapped. Choose us as your training partner. Embark on a personal and professional growth. Contact us now by visiting thehazardguys.com slash hire us to reserve your spot and start your transformational training experience So, anyway, where were we? We were, we were about to start talking about communication strategies in inclement let's, weather. Let's do it, man. I, you know what? I love communication because um, you can have some difficulties in inclement weather with comms. 
and I'm not I, you know what I always go back to like the the snow thing but it's not always like that like having effective communications with low vis high stress um there was a thing called McGurk the McGurk effect M C G U R R I C K I think it is and it's about how your eyes overrule your hearing and um when I remember there was a there was a I don't remember if it was a fire, but it was definitely in a snowstorm, and comms were impossible because the stress was so high. It was a really weird thing, but communication is really hard to do in some difficult things. Yeah, well, you have, um, you know, we often will think about, you know, actually in the moment, but you, what are experiences when you have been sent off with the FEMA team in your inclement weather? What are some of the communication uh, issues and failures that you guys have had? Oh my God! When they when they step into into theater, that's the slang. When they are in theater, um, they set up all types of satellite stuff, and so we either use sat phones or uh, sometimes we would set up our own like mesh system for comms. It was a very odd setup, but it, it, most departments can't do that. They basically have their local thing because they're not generally venturing that far outside of their own you know area. Right, right. So, you know, so then you need, you have your standard communications, right? And we can think of communications in multiple ways. We can think of communications as, as radios and you lose radios that suck. But what happens if we're out on a scene in zero visibility weather because of rain or a blizzard? Like right. we have lost all sorts of signals and all sorts of visual communication. So to be able to train in such a way, maybe we don't have visual communication. Maybe all we have is is our radios, and you can't see more than a few feet from you. So how do you operate in a scene like that? How do you operate uh, in a way where you can't see the rig from the turned-over tractor trailer on in the middle of a highway in the middle of a blizzard? Do you set up rope system like they do down in Antarctic where like now I know how to get from the rig to the to the to the scene like these are things that need to be thought of ahead of time uh, but it does lend to communication visual communication is huge for for the fire department we don't even realize how much we use it until it's gone right it, like even when and this happens, uh, you know, we have written down here hurricanes and tornadoes and stuff like that. But, you know, even blackouts. There was a blackout. What the hell? When was that? 2013? Uh, that, that like, turned off the electric on the entire eastern seaboard. And everything was out. Cell phone. Like, the battery backups only work for so long. So if there's nothing there and, and oh, yeah, my generator will start working and stuff like that. Or well, what if the, the actual comms location is blown away or 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 dismantled um so you're gonna have to come up with some basic or backup comms methods and it could be anything from um non-repeated kind of thing um what are those guys ham radio guys um yes they seem to get around stuff like it the old way still works a lot of the time if you got to do smoke signals do smoke signals we do have a smoke signal course coming out soon yes I heard. I, I totally, I totally want to do that now. <laughs> and what, what about the incident command system? How does that change under inclement weather? That's actually kind of interesting because that is a you know I, in the, when I was 
a young buck, I didn't really care about the ISS. I just want to go to fires. But now that I'm kind of a little more sen senior, uh, the ISS system is a really smartly built system where it's so flexible and, com and expandable that you can you can flex it. So like part of the ICS system is communications. And when you have a wide scope, comms gets very difficult. Let's say, you know, the IC is going remote or the IC is going in the air to get a visual in a helicopter or something like that. ICS has to be able to, you know, modify itself really quickly to do this. And it's not as easy as it sounds. Why? What is what are some of the difficulties? Like if somebody things... if if people are gonna sit and 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 say, okay, we we're planning for this inclement weather, as far as incident command, how can we start to overcome things that we don't even know are gonna happen? My dog's going crazy upstairs, but that's all right. Um, you know, <laughs> he's, in uh, no, he's in the yeah. rain. He's in the rain. You know, he's in inclement weather. He's communicating with us. We visually can't see him, but we can auditorily hear that he is desperately in trouble. There must be a evil squirrel on the loose. Yeah, I think it's Amazon. Uh, <laughs> same thing. I'm sorry. Say your, your question again. I apologize. My question was, how do, how do we start to plan? How does an incident command system in, in inclement weather, and, and this is probably a whole separate podcast with a whole nother like 10 or 15 tips, but if you could think of one or two things off the top of your head, how does somebody setting up an incident command system for inclement weather, what, how do they start to prepare for things that they don't That's even easy. know is going to happen? You know what? There's, and they stood up all over the place. There's something called EOCs, and most counties or locales or fire departments have one set up as an emergency operations center, right? So the thing with inclement weather, inclement weather is it's not over one house or one building. It's taking over a town, a region, a state, you know, a, a country. And so operations are going to be, just geographically, very diverse. Mm. Like they're going to be very widespread. And so you're going to have coordination of like many different things like a J hats and you're going to have, you know, PD and three letter agencies and the mayor's office. And so inclement weather, whether it's uh, a weather phenomenon or high heat or high, very cold are going to have much more complexity than just the standard. We have a house fire. We have a chemical leak. It's going to be a reach. It's a, it's a much bigger thing it's not happening at one building right so you're you're from an ic point of view you're almost having to to run incidences remotely from great distances oh yeah absolutely like we when when i was doing it it was like i would run everything from the dispatch the room next to the dispatcher and i would have people going out and doing things but i was quarterbacking from a building when every now in in the extreme heat of say like the hurricanes in texas would you ever get on the air and make it sound like you're you're absolutely freezing inside in headquarters? <laughs> just like punch. that's a, like oh, yeah, my I would I would make my teeth my teeth chatter while I'm like I'd be like I'm sorry I can't talk it's so goddamn cold in this I would, trailer. I would have yeah. subtle like like sleigh bells ringing like this, like this. <laughs> penguins quacking in the background. 
Oh, I don't know. God, do penguins quack? But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I would imagine one of the, the the difficulties now. Obviously, the 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 FEMA wouldn't land under this because they're bringing their own resources. But you know, you got a, a small department that gets nailed by some massive inclement weather. Um, lack of resources to pull from. You know, a really good example of this would be in New York City, where you have uh, high just high winds themselves. High winds themselves will shut down the bridges. And you have now isolated one borough from another, uh, which doesn't sound like that big of a deal. And it's not because the city is set up for it. But uh, in super large scale instances in those situations, that inclement weather has massively reduced the amount of help that one borough can get from another. I agree. Um, We thought we were going to bang through all these tips in one shot. We were wrong. We were very wrong. 